Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the nation. This is episode 199. Uh, let oh, us... Can I, one quick question. Yeah. Can yes. I swear? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Like, please do. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Good. Okay. No, no, absolutely. One. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, where we talk about politics, and where we recognize the passage of time. You guys, I'm your host, Dean Farsad, and I didn't think that we get this far um, in in lockdown, uh, but we're at episode number 199 of Fake the Nation, which it means we're one episode away from the, from the celebrated 200th episode. That'll be next week. Um, and I'm just going to make a last minute request. If you want us to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on their show, um, low these 200 episodes, you can leave us a voicemail at 860-337-2357. Again, that's 860-337-2357. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Ooh, especially if you've been listening from the beginning or ooh, especially if you just started listening, whatever your situation is, please leave us a voicemail at 860 860- Three three seven two three five seven with your thoughts um, for our two hundredth, which is next week. Which do we have specialness planned? We might. 
We may have some specialness planned. Let's see what happens. You guys, um, today we're going to talk about the gradual reopening, the presidential elections, and how exes have a habit of resurfacing during pandemics. Um, I love that the idea that like people from the Spanish flu are like, tell me about it. The number of exes that <laughs> called me over the phonogram or whatever. <laughs> Wait, phonograms are record players, right? What am I talking about? It doesn't matter. No one knows about technology from that year. Um, All right. I am so excited by the specialness of today. Episode 199 is super special because we have for the first time two fantastic people. Um, Author of Riot Baby, you guys. Uh, And he's also the host of the Inner Cities podcast, to which I am a loyal subscriber. Um, a show that he hosts with a buddy of mine, Zell Williams. And oh my God, it's so great. And I'm so excited that he's on the show. We finally made this happen. You guys, it's Tochi Oyebuchi. Um, thanks so much for joining the show, Tochi. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a pleasure and an honor. Ah, um, we also have with us, oh, this woman, you guys, I have been on many a show with her. She's a fantastic actor, comedian, writer. Um, oh my God. She's a, also has done so much for reproductive rights. I'm just going to go ahead and add that, uh, to your, to the many reasons I like you and love you and appreciate you. Um, she's also host of the long running variety show, Cheap Date Comedy. You guys, it's Sharon Paul. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Nagin. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, you guys. Let us begin with topic number one. Okay. So we've all been, like, doing this pandemic, right? Um, and <laughs> doing it up, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, we've just, like, been doing it. Um, and the numbers have been going down in New York, which is fantastic, although obviously any level of mortality from this is too much to bear. But the numbers have been going down. However, the overall numbers in America have been going up, Um Anyone with like a grasp of math and stuff like that and how the country is large can explain that, how that works. Um, And yet we're reopening large parts of the country. And double yet, the economic toll has been so brutal. Can you blame them, right? There's so many gray, gray areas here. I want you guys to tell me where you are sitting in those gray areas. Tochi. I mean, it it seems pretty transparent to me that a lot of the strategy behind reopening is to keep people from being able to apply for unemployment. And so it's not necessarily out of any sort of change in the public health mindset. Like the mm. coronavirus hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, it hasn't substantially changed its its lethality or its the, you know the ease with which it's transmitted. Um, but there have been more and more people applying for unemployment, and the economic situation for many, many, many Americans has deteriorated. And you know, if you're a if you're a you know Republican governor or any sort of Republican legislator or politician. In many ways, you're trying to figure out ways to game the numbers. You know, that's, I think, one of the reasons why you know, the testing capabilities of this country have been so poor is because, you know, the, the less bad news you can get, the better you look. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons why there's been such a push to reopen. It's not out of concern for the livelihood of, of these citizens or these workers, 
these 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 you know people who have been affected by this pandemic it's to, you know to try to make the numbers not look as bad as they are right and in fact i i got a notification this morning that um 3.2 million jobless claims were filed last week, adding to more than 30 million since March, which basically means that about, um, in many states, 25% or more of workers are unemployed. These are like numbers that the um, Donnie administration doesn't want us to think about or dwell on or whatever. So if we reopen the economy, maybe that kind of... Um, does something to those numbers and it changes the narrative for them. Uh, Sharon, is it enough to change the narrative on jobless claims if if the mortality rate r- keeps rising? No, not at all. Because um, the thing is, if people- <laughs> that was like such a leading question. The way I, I asked it, it's like I gave you no room, but that was the right answer. So thank you. You're very welcome. There's just, I mean, look, if everyone goes back to work and dies, there goes the economy all over again. Like there's not going to be any progress. And it's just, I was seeing a study this morning that was saying, because New York, I think, I think New York will likely open up later than a lot of the other states because Mm Cuomo is being relatively sensible about these things. But I was reading that most of the points of contact that began the disease and spreads of other states began in New York. So, you know, we're the epicenter of all this. And if people decide they're going to keep making moves and going back and forth, whether that's from state to state or just from their jobs to home, we're not going to see the curve flatten at all. And this is going to last endlessly. People are going to die and people will be out of work regardless. And this is horrifying yeah. to me. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, it's, and thank you for pointing that out. The thing is, is like that we, we sort of have, cooked up this notion that like mortality is what capitalists want and that's actually not what they want because then they can't earn the money right Right. like it's not mortality rates um and rising mortality rate you know if we can actually flatten the curve and then have the you know the downward slope um you know if we can do what south korea and new zealand did or whatever that actually means that the economy can bounce back this is not a bouncing back because we're just we're bouncing into a fear situation right where things are going to be open you know like tochi do you find yourself if you're living in georgia are you gonna go out and like hang out in in bars like what what are your thoughts about like things being open and actually utilizing them. I don't need a haircut that bad. <laughs> I real I you know all things considered I do not need a haircut that bad. And and we're seeing stories like that in in so many states that have reopened. Missouri for instance, you know, there are restaurants that got two customers over the course of an entire weekend. Who does that who does that right. help, you know? Who, who does, does that, that help? help? Right. And they'll, they mm-hmm. still need ultimately, you know, the economic support. But if it was a real lockdown, you know, that that they that there there was no spr- where there was no spread because there was no contact, then they could open and then it would like really open. You know what yeah. I mean? Because we'd be like, we have no new cases. OK, cool. Um, I think. The, there's a third way, which is 
which is uh, I heard this epidemiologist or I think he was he was a professor at Harvard, I think, in in health policy. Um, and it, OK, and his name is um, Dr. Ashish Jha. I heard him on Brian Lehrer's show on WNYC yesterday. Fantastic. This is actually I'm, I'm telling people to go look up this interview is maybe the best interview from a public health expert that I've mm-hmm. heard. It was so clear and concise. And um, and it's, he said all of the things that you're like, yeah, duh, that's the solution. There it is. This guy, you know, um, st- and, and a lot of people have been saying it. There is a third way, which is that we test everybody <laughs> and then we know who to isolate and who not to isolate, right? If we can mm-hmm. test everybody, then we can reopen. But it's weird to reopen without being able to test everybody at the levels that are required. So, you know, look, if you can give um, Ruth's Chris, you know, $20 million or whatever, you can figure out a testing regime for each and every state at the levels that public health experts, we're we're framing it like you can either reopen the economy and just accept that people will die, or you keep the economy closed so that people don't die. It's like, how did that become the binary? That's not the binary. In fact, there is no binary. There is other <laughs> options. And the other option is testing, testing, testing. Um, but Donnie has just been so strangely unwilling to help with testing, which I I brought this up last week. It makes no political sense to me, Um, especially considering, you know, in a gross recognition of demographics that some of his, you know, base there is old and, you know, they're the ones that are the most um, susceptible. So why would you not do something to help them? Because they're going to help you get reelected. I I think Uh, that... I just want to, you know, jump in, too. I think there's another aspect of it, too, that's reflected in how at least the legislative priorities and the the executive priorities of this administration, which has been there, you know, there's no there's no real talk from decision makers about a rent freeze, for instance, or any way to to really, really, really help you know, the small businesses that are struggling with things like overhead. Right. Or or any sort of way to help potential, you know, in a, you know, later on consumers stay alive and be able to sustain themselves and have the sort of income that they would need to buy shit, right? It's all about right. it's so much mm-hmm. of it has been about bailing out these industries and particular, you know, large companies and whatnot. And what like you it's it's like Sharon, it's like you were saying earlier, like what if you don't have any customers because they're, you know, dead. <laughs> or, or, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, I, uh, I, I also want to point out that the Corona Task Force <laughs> is going to be winding down. Sharon, oh, um, do you feel like Jared did everything he could? And Mike, <laughs> are they just, we're good? <laughs> Jared and the boys are big old frauds. <laughs> They've just been stealing PPE and hoarding it, and plenty. The numbers aren't decreasing in the way that they should. They're not being effective in almost any right. way right now. I feel like um, state governments are doing so much more and so much better than the federal government at this point. Complete. You know how when you're like working in an office, you gather a bunch of coffee orders and you give it to one intern who then goes and buys all of the coffee at one place. <laughs> um, that was literally the coronavirus task force job and they 
I fire them from this internship, basically. (laughs) Um, They are fired from, they could not gather the orders, figure out a way to get them from a place and then distribute (laughs) them to the people who wanted their lattes. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And that is... Um, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. at a very big. I mean, there was a few. Obviously, we don't. There's so many things about this virus we don't know. Blah 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 blah. blah. But there are some things about this virus we do know, which is that medical, um, you know, people, uh, first responders need PPE. That's just we do know that. Mm-hmm. Um, like we we know we knew that they would need ventilators, and so there we shouldn't have. States competing, cities competing, counties competing. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who was the former um, chief resiliency officer of Oakland, and she was saying that people, there was another town, I don't know, by the name of Haywood or something like that in Northern California, a town I've never heard of, that have that had excessive amounts of testing, but like Berkeley had no testing. <laughs> you know what hmm. I mean? Because- yeah. And I was like, how is it that two towns within of, you know, the Bay Area had vastly different testing capabilities? It's crazy. It's because the intern didn't get orders from everybody at once and then go out and get the coffee. Um, Among other horrible analogies that I shall repeat. uh, (laughs) I love love that analogy, actually. I really do love it. I just imagine the intern going and buying a bunch of coffees and then just leaving them in a conference room and not telling anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Only getting coffee orders from people he liked in the office. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. 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 (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because... You know, the news about Jared Kushner kind of like having this document that was really, you know, you trying to get contracts to Trump allies and blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is not even breaking um, the through the noise. It's it's corruption at the highest level in the middle of a global pandemic. And um, because we're in the middle of a global pandemic, that can't even break through. And I don't even know. And senators are like wherever and, and Congress people are wherever. And like, can they even do an ethics investigation? Does anyone want them to? Because they're like, shouldn't you be focusing on other things? It's like, I can't believe the shitty <laughs> side news that's coming out and how ha- and that would have been forefront crazy big news, I, I feel like, if it was regular times. Right. And and Um, it should be. It absolutely should be. But the thing is, I feel like the past four years have been nothing but constant noise. And there's been mm -hmm. huge stories day in and day out, and they all fall to the wayside before a news cycle is over because every day is more unreal than the last. Right. Um, All right. I oh, I'm gonna end by by letting you guys know something really great. Doctor Ashish Jha is my like current public health crush. Um, <laughs> we all have one, right? Um, he was so fantastic uh, on the show, but he he answered a couple of questions that I thought were so important for me to understand as a New Yorker, and for those of you who are living in big cities, is it okay to ride an elevator wearing a mask? knowing that everyone in the building is required to wear a mask. And so the people on that elevator also wrote a mask. I live in an elevator building. Okay. Hmm. And the answer is, yeah, it's probably fine. Uh, <laughs> so That, that was, is a bit of a like, relief. Yeah. yeah. He was like, if the yeah. person before you wore a mask and you're wearing a mask, like, it's probably fine. Is there a minuscule chance? Yes. Um, but it's probably fine. And then anyways, and then this like – 
elevator expert got on the line and explained <laughs> nice. like elevator like stuff and it was fantastic I'm telling you this is like the best 20 minutes of radio that I've had in like the last three months um, also here's a big one this is a big one for everyone around the country you're walking a runner runs by you not wearing a mask should you freak out and he said no it's probably fine uh, is there because it's because it's about um it's about consistent interaction with someone who has the virus for like up to 10 minutes or whatever. Uh, because the thing with runners is a big deal in New York City. You know, we're around a lot of people who are trying to get their exercise and you'll, you'll be walking, this, you know, somewhere and a runner will run by you and people freak out. And you basically don't necessarily have to freak out. Is there a minuscule chance? Yes. Um, but you're not, you don't have to freak out. So I also found that very um, helpful. That's comforting to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't say that I won't freak out. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, right. I think about right. runners and I'm like, no one's breathing harder than them. <laughs> and for them yeah, to not yeah. have masks on and to be going past me, I'm like, just one cough. And I think just psychologically I would die. Yeah, no, completely. And I think he didn't talk about like the runner is actively coughing. He was just like, there's a runner that's running Um, or someone (laughs) on their bike or whatever. Uh, That just that like the the thing passing by. My pediatrician also said the same thing about the runners and the bikers. Like it's just it's it's probably fine. Minuscule, minuscule chance. But you don't need to like, you know, jump out of your skin. Right. Um, so there you go from my new crush, Dr. Ashish Jha. <laughs> <laughs> Public health crush, by the way. This is not sexual, sir. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the presidential race. Woo-hoo. Today's show is sponsored by Prose. This is kind of, I feel like, you know, I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare, I tried the skincare just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals, um, like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about in like in answering the questions. Um, the other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, mm, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's fine. Like you can do that. But we think for your skin type, creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of 
personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, and this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh harshness like many years because when I saw this cleanser I was like oh is this what it's supposed to feel like it's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face that's not what I've been doing so I don't know guys and here's the thing you don't have to take my word for it in a third-party double-blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study um, which is like the gold standard for research studies pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level if you think about it just it makes common sense pros are so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make 50 percent of your first subscription order at pros.com slash fake the nation um will be taken off that's pros.com slash fake the nation you get your free consultation and 50 percent off your one-of-a-kind formulas uh again that's pros.com slash fake the nation go and get your just super personalized luxurious skincare products and hair care products that's what i'm gonna try next so pros.com slash fake the nation i am the type of person that has subscribed to things and I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app, and I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money, and because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry, thank God, Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you, so you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and Rocket Money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. 
Eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Folks, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I tried other services that I was displeased with. And then a neighbor of mine was trying Factor. I had pulled them aside in the hallway and I was like, what are you feeling about this Factor? And they were like, it is delicious. You should definitely do it. So then me and my husband did it and we loved it. They are chef-prepared meals that arrive to your door, and then in two minutes, you could be eating them. Like, it's so simple, and they're actually delicious. And for people like me who just sometimes, my schedule can be so maniacal between traveling in different cities and, you know, doing stand-up gigs. It's like I just don't have a typical schedule where I can plan, set aside time for cooking and all that stuff. So something like Factor really helps for me. The other thing that I love to do is try not to eat carbs. (laughs) So they have a keto option, which is fantastic. It's super delicious. They use premium ingredients. You can get stuff with like filet mignon and shrimp and truffle butter and broccolini and asparagus, right? Like real ingredients. They're no fuss, no mess meals. Um, They eliminate the hassle of having to prep. They're tailored to your schedule. Um, You can customize your weekly meals. Uh, with flexibility, you can pause or reschedule. I've actually done that. I've, pa- I've both paused and rescheduled. Um, Factor is basically your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. And look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com slash fake the nation 50 and use the code fake the nation 50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code fake the nation 50 at factormeals.com slash fake the nation 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, Now, I know we already talked about the Joe Biden allegations, but we kind of have to talk about them again because there's some new information that came out. Apparently, Tara Reid brought the allegations about Biden. um, I'm sorry, apparently Tara Reid, who brought the allegations about Biden, told a friend in the 90s about the incident. And then her mother, this is something I didn't know before, her mother did a call in on the Larry King show and referred to it as an incident, but not exactly as an assault and didn't specify which senator, but it was clearly her mother. Um, And since we've talked about it last, Biden went on the record as saying that it just didn't happen. He said that in an interview. um, And then he he also said that, you know, this should be investigated and um, and and that file the archive should be resurrected to figure out if there was uh, something filed and all of that stuff. Um, So we're here's the we're in the middle of a world historic election uh, that is being undertaken during a global pandemic. Um, you know, cause remember when the, this election was already the biggest fucking thing happening in our lives. 
Oh. <laughs> the bad so we days. took. <laughs> I know. I like yearn for the days when it was just the biggest thing happening. A lifetime so we, ago. Oh, God. We were young and innocent then. <laughs> um, so I, my question for you is, considering these current circumstances, how are you viewing the Me Too movement under these conditions and with this election and with the candidate that the Democrats are being given? Sharon. Okay. I never want to disparage the Me Too movement at all, ever. Um, I think some people are looking at this with blinders. Um, you know, you, it's hard to spout believe women 24-7 until it's inconvenient for that guy you like. Mm-hmm. And I know we're very much st- stuck between a rock and a murderous, racist, (laughs) hard place. Um, Mm. But it's just, I, I've been struggling with this myself. Um, I, cause I mean, and there's so many other women that I trust in power positions who are fully supportive of him, who are just like, yeah, I believe all women, but this is my friend. And he said he didn't do it. So the end. And it's just, okay. Like, I don't think this came out of the woodwork. And I think, I mean, he has addressed it. So I feel like he's said what he said, and we probably won't get anything different from him or his people in the near future. But I'm just, I'm just disappointed that it came down to Biden in the first place. And the fact that we're here. Um, Sharon, what, if I said to you, and there will probably never be, a real reckoning with this case. We'll never actually know the truth because it was so long ago, um, because they've had a hard time locating records, because it's in usually just so difficult to figure out the truth and th- things like th- right. that are so old. But so, yeah, especially that literally from that feel? time. Uh, that's, yeah. It's so disheartening. It's very disheartening. Um, I wish there was a way to get clear answers. Not to re-traumatize anyone, but it's just, I was going to say, I can't imagine being someone and your rapist is the president, but, you know, there's probably two dozen women at least who can currently say that. Yeah. Very exclusive club. Um, <laughs> or like less exclusive than you would hope that would be so exclusive yeah. no one was in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so Tochi, would it, I mean... Are are you? What do you think? Yeah, well, <laughs> just, I, just say yeah. no. I I mean I think I think you know Sharon brings up uh, a really good uh, point in that like this is a this is an immensely imperfect reality that we are currently occupying, right? And I think I think part of it that's been particularly disheartening is that there's been so much thought given to how this is playing, right? Um, Especially given the contrast in postures that the Democratic Party has held between their handling of Tara Reid's allegations against Joe Biden and their their handling of uh, Christine Blasey Ford's testimony against uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Um, and also too, like how how Al Franken was dealt with. So it you know you look at that and you see all this uh, 
you know what what comes across as inconsistency and so much of the the very first thought is given to okay how is this going to play in the election rather than sort of the underlying issue of of predatory behavior and sexual assault particularly in you know the halls of of American politics and i think one of the one of the sort of consequences of that is that so much of how we feel about issues regarding sexual assault get conflated with political preference. And so a lot of it will boil down to, okay, who am I going to vote for in the 2020 election? Um, when you have this, you know, these these really knotty and meaty issues that need to be dealt with, you know, in all levels, whether with regards to politics, whether with regards to the assault against Title IX, um, mm-hmm. that's currently happening, all these different things. And so I think that's one of the things that's been particularly disheartening to watch is that so much of this at the end of the day will be brought down to, okay, who are you voting for in the 2020 election? Are you voting for, you know, this guy or you're voting for, you know, the 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 Access Hollywood guy, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Gretchen Whitmer, who's on that short list of VP picks, um, she says <clears throat> this is this is what she responded. She said, "You know, believing women—that's been the mantra. I believe all. Um, that's been the mantra. Believe all women. I think it's listen to all women and then do the dil- due diligence and make informed decisions. Uh, she went on to say, I think that every woman should be able to tell her story and we should listen to every woman who has a story to tell. And she also said that it's contrary to everything I know about Joe Biden. It's been inconsistent. And for those re- and it's been inconsistent. I think she means the story. And for those reasons, I know that I am comfortable that Joe Biden is who he says he is. Um, what do you Sharon, what do you think about this kind of adjustment to the mantra of instead of believe all women, listen to all women? I think outside of the current context, it's a sensible phrase and a sensible leaning. Yes, listen and obviously make your own personal choices. I get that. Mm. I think that's a responsible thing to do, to listen to everyone and make your own choices and decisions about that. But it's just such a weird flip on the ear just because this is about your pal. Like mm-hmm. your whole belief system flew out the window because they're talking about your buddy. Right. Um, I so so I you know, I said this during the Franken situation, which was uh, and I remember Zephyr Ticha had a really great um, op ed about this, I think, in The Times where she just talked about you know, there should be, you know, list there. It, it was basically a listen to all women mantra um, and and conduct the due diligence. You know, why don't we have a process? There should be a process. And I at the time, I felt the same thing. I just thought there should be a process. There should be an inquiry. There should be an investigation. Al Franken should not be able to skate by. But I also don't think he should be forced to resign. And um, and uh, at the time, you know, Again, it's like let there let's let some level heads look at what's really going on and determine what the appropriate punishment is. Because I do also think that if 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 it's, you know, obviously he doesn't for a lot of those things, there was just like a for his thing, I think the main thing was the photograph. Um the there was a public record of the photograph, right? Everybody yeah. knew about the photograph, so there was no coming in. But but is is resigning from the Senate an appropriate 
response to a photograph like of that nature, um, you know, with all of this in the situation that it was taken in and all of that stuff. Um, again, is it horrendous that he did that? Absolutely. Is it like, you know, does do a lot of men suck and do stuff like that? Yes, they Absolutely. do. But right. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, uh, but again, it's like what we need to have a process. And I think we are kind of, we're, we're in such a dire situation that the pragmatism around the Me Too movement is coming to the surface, I think, in a way that it didn't necessarily have to in the beginning. You know what I mean? And I think that there was, it was easier to get swept up in the moment. And I was swept up in it too. And I was excited that women are coming out with the stories and everyone was able to, to speak freely. And I was like, that happened to me too. And just like the number of women who had the same types of stories was overwhelming. Um, And it was wonderful to hear them for the first time. Uh, But I do think that we didn't have necessarily a process and we now need to really develop one. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's awkward in this situation because in in the Al Franken case, it would have been so much better because there are actually watchdogs and, you know, there's an ethics committee and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So there was like clear pathways. Um, we don't necessarily have that with Joe Biden. We have the press, you know, uh, being able to investigate and do all of that stuff. Um, I I think, you know, for feminists, and, and Tochi, this is my question for you, you know, do you think there's a responsibility to call yourself a feminist and then you, you know, and not vote for him? Um because of this allegation or what do you, what do you think? Uh, and I know you're a dude. Okay. Yeah. We recognize that. She noticed. Uh, but what, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You may but not what know you, this about me. <laughs> but, t- <laughs> but like, what is, what is a person's responsibility, male or female to as, as feminists to their, you know, in the ballot box. Definitely. I so so I hope this doesn't come across as a cop out, but what I try to think about is um sort of holistic approach to supporting women and advocating for women and finding ways to amplify their voices, right? So for me, it's trying to figure out ways to institutionalize that support. And so you brought up, you know, the ethics committee with regards to Al Franken. If there if there's a similar sort of setup during you know the the this transitional state of a presidential campaign, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or in in other in other venues with regards to say for instance college campuses, if there was mm-hmm. some sort of institutionalized process that can can provide prote- protection and support for um, you know the people bringing these allegations, but also allow for there to be um, a process that you know, has credibility sort of all around. Um, And and so I I think if I narrow all of my belief and support and all of that down to the ballot box, I'm doing a disservice. Um, And I don't know that I can call myself a feminist. It feels much more like I'm performing feminism or performing support for women in a way that can seem... um, obvious and sort of surface level, um, as opposed to doing a lot of the work that doesn't necessarily garner attention or that is sort of behind the scenes. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think, you know, I think like that I'm a feminist who will vote for Joe Biden. Um, and, you know, and who knows, things could change. And what, what if other allegations, you know, whatever. I don't know what's going to happen. But right at this moment, I think I'm a feminist who will vote for Joe Biden. I think this totally and completely fucking sucks. But um, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the booth and I'm facing, again, a world historic election mm-hmm. in the middle of a global pandemic. And I know who will do the better job. Uh, so, you know, Emily Bazelon, um, who's a New York Times columnist, said or, or contributor or whatever, no, writer, staff writer. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Oh, my God, guys. I, stop quizzing me on her fucking job title. Times. It's all that matters. She's in there. Anyway, but she said um, that she said, you know, feminists can be pragmatists. You can't, you know, there's no reason mm-hmm. why, like, we should think that they have to have some sort of, like, insane ideological purity. Like, feminists can also be pragmatists. And uh, and I think that's that's where... I, I'm at like I think by I, definition I feminists that, yeah. should be pragmatists because the whole point is <laughs> equality like we're all people mm-hmm. we can all be pragmatic when the time calls for it honestly right right yeah and it, the funny yeah the underpinnings of the entire ideology of feminism is the most rational common sense <laughs> going thing right. it's just like no they're equal oh is that okay yeah that's it you know what i mean yeah. um mm-hmm. so yeah it is it's really it is really pragmatic um now here's a question for you guys uh in the last couple weeks justin amash has thrown <laughs> his hat into the race um under the libertarian ticket <sighs> does he stand a chance no a chance to do what <laughs> right. okay so tochi here's the question like a chance does he stand a chance at fucking up the race for one or the other party and which one um i i think he's you know i think overall just a very negligible danger but maybe more of a danger to uh trump given that you know i think particularly with trump's handling of the pandemic he's pushing a lot of voters who may have formerly been stalwarts away right but they're voters who you know wouldn't in their wildest dreams you know conceive of voting for the candidate across the aisle, right? And I think I think generally, too, conservative voters tend to, if they're breaking with their party, vote libertarian more than Democratic voters. Um, I think the real, for me, it's, it's, it's with regards to not necessarily voters in the popular vote so much as it is with regards to electors. And also, too, there's, there's a, there are a couple, I think, Supreme Court cases happening right now, Chiafalo versus Washington and Colorado Department of State versus Baca, about this issue of faithless oh, electors. Oh, shit, did you just drop some case names? <laughs> Fuck, and dude. Truly. The, the, the law school graduate in me, the lawyer in me, just jumped the fuck out. Um, but, I'm sorry, I'm, so, I'm like so overwhelmed by how you pulled that out of your pants. All right. Um, <laughs> what that is exactly where I was the hiding them. I'm so sorry, Tochi, you were, you were making the point. But yeah, so the, so the issue is, is, 
you know, because every every state delegates their electors for the electoral college, and traditionally, you know, the electors vote for whoever wins the popular vote in their state, right? But there have been a couple instances now where electors have not done that. You know, they've, you know, in some cases alleged that they're voting their conscience and they voted for a different candidate from the candidate who won the popular vote in their state. And so I think it's entirely conceivable that you will have electors in the 2020 election who just no matter how, you know, resounding a victory Trump may have in the popular vote in their state cannot bring themselves to vote or to cast their electoral college vote for Trump. And Amash, I think, is a more palatable alternative to them than, you know, if they were an elector in a state where the Democratic candidate won the uh you know, won the popular right. vote. And I mean, the thing about Amash, too, is like he was like a Freedom Caucus guy, right? Mm-hmm. So he's ideologically pure uh, for conservatives in that way. Um, and I think, you know, the I know that he was a Freedom Caucus guy. The average person doesn't necessarily know that or... Uh, or care. Or maybe even know what that... Yeah. Or care, right? Or know yeah. what that even means. Um, so I think, you know, obviously his name ID is going to be the, his big problem. Um, unless there's some sort of like a Ross Perotian moment that happens mm-hmm. with him, which is possible, I guess. Um, I think... Who still didn't have a real shot. Yeah. Who's right? Who ultimately? Yeah, yeah. he Those made it like to the debate six, stage, which was pretty. Person. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah. impressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's I it's po- I get it's possible. I also think global pandemics are not going to treat third party <laughs> candidates very well. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's like the you know it's the aged, the people with comorbidities, and third party candidates uh, is what coronavirus <laughs> likes uh, <laughs> uh, works against. Um, it's a nice little gar- so- garnish on the plate. <laughs> so I, I just think that his chances are are not so hot. Um, my final question is, I, like, I sent you guys an article about Elizabeth Warren being the VP pick for <laughs> Biden. Um, just quickly, Sharon, do you think that it's crazy, wishful thinking, or it's a possibility? Because I been, I sort of wrote it off the last time we talked about it. I was just like, she's too much of a star. I don't even want to think about it and get my hopes up like um, that. But then all these articles came out, and then I was like, I don't know. Um, it's I personally feel like it's a pipe dream. I would okay. love for that to be the case, but yeah. I feel like you're like you said, she's one too much of a star, and too much of an idealistic choice to the left. And I still think Biden is trying to be pretty right. centrist about things. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't see it for her necessarily as much as I would personally like to. Tochi. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel similarly. I think it's a really good point about her being too much of a star or sort of, you know, occupying too much of the limelight for his comfort. I think part of it too is like what role um, does the presidential candidate conceive of for the VP pick, right? Like how much power are they going to delegate to this person? Is it going to be a largely ceremonial role? You know, is it, does Biden envision a VP candidate who occupied a similar place to 
the place that he occupied as part of the Obama administration, which is like, hey, I'm the guy that, you know, can convince all the white people who aren't going to vote for you anyway to vote for you. Right. Um, You know, what appeal, you know, it's I think I think that's a big part of it. Um, If he, you know, because I feel like he's getting a lot of play right now out of, you know, dangling, dangling this idea in front of voters that, you know, hey, you know, I, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, having a woman as my VP pick um, in, in what seems like a very sort of um, exploitative way, too. Like, it, it's... Yeah, very, I mean, it's like, like tokenism. All... It's straight yeah. up tokenism. He was like, yeah. I'm going to pick a woman. I don't know which one, but a woman. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, it's like, it's like a fantastic trailer to like the finale of the season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we're all going to watch the last episode of the Sopranos because there might be a woman VP, you know? And that's, yeah. I think that's what's, you know, it, it is like a kind of brilliant media strategy because it brings attention to the campaign without him having to actually do or say anything. Mm-hmm. It's like drop a little nugget. Oh, it might be Gretchen Whitmer. What does Gretchen Whitmer think about the sexual assault allegations? Ooh, it might be Elizabeth Warren. Here's a think piece on that. Like there's mm-hmm. so much of that and it's fantastic for the campaign because it's the only thing that people will actually progressives and all of the other people who didn't vote for Biden, it's the act- the only thing that they might actually love about his campaign. <laughs> it, it, right? just, it just yeah. feels like a Super Bowl so, commercial to get you to yeah, buy a product. Completely. And I right. am buying it. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. like I'm in it. Uh, also, and, um, sorry, um, because he's having issues with, you know, female right? voters considering the current situation – because he hasn't stated who he intends to place for his VP pick, it puts a lot of women in his corner. Women are going to speak up for him. Women yeah. are going to defend him. Powerful yeah. women in the government. And so it's just yeah. like, I'm going to drag this out as long as I can with whoever this mysterious woman is so that these women keep talking me up. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's... In considering everything that's going on and a complete inability to actually campaign, it's not it's it's not a terrible strategy. <laughs> it's good branding. Um, it's good branding. Right, it's good it branding, is, which is like branding. it feels gross to say that, but oh my god. Okay. That's what it comes um, down to these days. Yeah. Completely. Um, all right. So you guys, uh people of Fake the Nation, do you think you're gonna be voting for Justin Amasha? <laughs> I can't even say it. I can't even say it was great. Thing. Um, let me know what you think uh, on all the social medias we pretend like we're not really using. Um, before we get into topic number three, I mentioned this a little bit before, but the 200th episode of Fake the Nation is coming up next week. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a voicemail at 860-337-2357 by May 11th and answer the following question. What's your favorite Fake the Nation moment, and what do you hope to see change in the next four years? Um, and again, uh, the number is 860-337-2357. Um, and I'd love to hear from you. And now, let's move on to topic number three. Um, okay, so our producer, Anita Flores, uh, sent me this topic about X is contacting you during COVID. <laughs> and when she first sent it, I was like, that's not happening. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and then... Moments later, I got a friend request. It was, I won't say on which one of the many platforms I got a request. 
from an ex and I was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's happening. And this was one of, this was a, a far less direct form of contact. It was just merely a request that, it, you know, just cage rattling, you know? Um, but I noted, I noted and, uh, and I, and I, I actually, I don't think I've responded yet. Okay, but I'm terrible. At, like, <laughs> I just, I have like such a backlog. <laughs> I have a backlog of requests. It's like even actually stunning that I noticed it because I almost never noticed those those uh, those request thingies. Um, okay, uh, which is, but I uh, notice all of your DMs, so keep those coming. <laughs> it's, the, it's the like request thing that I have a hard time following. <laughs> Okay, sorry, your entire everybody. audience to slide into I know, your DMs. no, like I really try and respond to everybody. I hope you guys feel it. I know I'm behind, but I really try and respond to absolutely everybody. Um, okay, so my question is, has this been a phenomenon for you or someone you know? Yes. Sharon. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've heard from two exes thus far. We'll see if that two. count goes up. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Okay. And what was the like nature of their contact, perceived and actual? Um, well, to be fair, one of them reached out because I've had a quarantine birthday. He reached out the day after my birthday. Mind you, we probably haven't spoken in the better part of a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just slid in my DMs and started sending me memes as if we'd been having a conversation this whole time. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. I love that. That's so ridiculous. Like, right? you, as if you wouldn't notice that you hadn't spoken for a year. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, just, I thought that was so strange. Um, and then the other one, I had posted a status about um, being in a hospital waiting room and a child coughing all willy nilly. Um, and this guy who I haven't physically seen in about three years messaged me, Oh my God, I have a car now. Do you need a ride home from the hospital? <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. And I was just like, uh, that's very kind, but very strange. Uh, <sighs> thank you. I'm good. Wow. That's very interesting. Right? I think with that one, I almost feel like it's one of those knee-jerk reactions to seeing, you know, a tweet. And then you're like, oh, I should help that person, even though you and you don't think it through. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of what it feels like, maybe. Yeah. Or he's just still in love with you and it was a total ploy. <laughs> that's a possibility, <laughs> too. I don't know. I get I get weird calls from that guy, like, late at night. Mind you, I live with my boyfriend, and oh. that dude just tries to pop up mm. every so often. You know, I uh, years ago, I had an ex. I was with a, a, a boyfriend at the time. He was literally, like, staying the night at my apartment, and it, like, one o'clock in the morning, I got a knock on the door and it was oh an God. ex-boyfriend. Oh my God. And, oh. and I was like completely in the dark that this guy ever even thought about me. But then later on, I found out that I was like a person that he couldn't get over very easily. Mm. And uh, and even when he knocked on my door, I just totally chalked it up to like, oh, he was in the neighborhood. That's thoughtful and it's just a little late, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot of late. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still, it's just like, I still didn't think he was holding a torch. Like even oh then, God. I was like, oh, he's fine. He's not holding a torch for me. Come on. Mm. Um, but it turns, but later on he admitted, like, you know, we, I was holding a torch. Um, so anyways. Uh, <laughs> You're the one that got away. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm the one that went on and created a completely different life in a in a good way. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah. For the best. Uh, Tochi, is this a phenomenon that you're familiar with? Um, yes. And so so especially I think as a heterosexual cisgender dude, I think so I've been on both sides of it. And so I've been on the receiving side uh, a few times now. But one of them, one of them I'm really, really, really good friends with. And she's actually been like, you know, quite a bit of, she's provided quite a bit of emotional support, not in the like, you know, emotional labor way so much as it is like, we find a lot of stuff to laugh about and there's a lot of TV that we'll like virtually watch together and live text and, and stuff like that. So like it very much, very much, you know, grown into a friendship in that regard. And then there are others where the contact is is much more sporadic. And then on the on the sending side, um, there's there's one person that I'd been struggling to reach out to, but the reason that I... I'd wanted to to begin with was that she she's half Italian and has the majority of her family in Italy. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So that's like, fair. So so that so but like the whole general idea of like reaching out to exes and stuff because like what are you gonna do right if you're if you're horny. And you can't get to that. Like, you can't. What are you going? Like, what is that? What does that accomplish? And like, I, granted, I get it that a lot of people are, are lonely and there's also like the emotional connection aspect of it. But I think I think there's a lot of confusion of like emotional or like desire for emotional contact with just like wanting to bump uglies. Like, I think a lot right, of people right, would, right. would feel a lot better if they could just knock boots like for the first time in seven weeks, I don't know. Yeah, people are yeah, horny completely. and emotionally horny as well. Yes, emotionally. <laughs> right, horny. right, right. No, exactly. And 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 titillation is life affirming, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you can just get whatever kind of intrigue and titillation, it makes you feel like you're still living a normal life in a yeah. way. You no, know, only mm-hmm. only fan subscriptions have skyrocketed. Very true. Yeah, um, everybody's on OnlyFans these days. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so okay, so so we've we've identified that people are horny, emotionally horny. They're bored. They're lonely, and they're making these forms of contact. And then the other thing is, there's like a recognition of mortality, mm. right? They might be like, "Oh, yeah. what if these are my end days?" And then, and you're sure you're like, let me reach out to some people. Would does it make sense to you guys that those people, some of those people, might be exes? Like, if mortality is on your mind, absolutely. Who are you? Yeah. Who are you reaching out? Like, to? think about this a couple of ways. Um, if you're thinking about this as essentially end times, there's never been a better time to shoot your shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Uh, and then. Also, like, go with the familiar. Because, like, if you try to meet a new person right now, who knows if you'll ever meet them mm-hmm. at this rate? Right. So you right, go. Right, and the thing right. is, this is a time where people above all else need comfort. And what's more comforting than something you've already known? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, too, for me, there's some people that I've dated that if, you know, if I knew somehow that, like, 
this was the end or whatever. Um, I'd obviously spend 98% of the time on the people that I like spend, you know, that my family and blah, 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 that I know and love. But I would put 2% into this category of like, you know, even friends, friends that went south for no reason. Mm-hmm. I would call and be like, listen, I have very fond memories of you, you know? You were a good boyfriend that didn't it didn't work out because it just we weren't each other's person. But but I have really fun memories. I just feel like you should know that. Like I have such a fondness for you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I do see the the you know the value in kind of reaching out and saying that. You know what I mean? I don't know if any of these fucking people are trying to do that <laughs> with their, you know, contacting your ex. I don't know if your guy wanted to pick you up from the hospital. <laughs> he's like, he's he's not making amends. He's not no. <laughs> sometimes like you know fantasize about like sitting down with the with ex-boyfriends and being like I want to tell you exactly why it didn't work out um and so that we both have like a better closure on it or like real actual Mm -hmm. final and I think the thing that sucks about some of these forms of contact like a friend request on a social media platform is it's still a lie you know Mm. what Mm -hmm. does he want the 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 truth is not can I pick you up from the hospital, right? What is the truth? You know, and like, mm-hmm. it's it's so I, hmm. that's the other unfortunate thing about all of these contacts is like, there's still a lie, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they might right. be nice, they might be intriguing or whatever. Um, but most people, I don't think, and this is my challenge to the people of Fake the Nation. Contact your ex <laughs> with the truth. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, this is this is Ooh. wild. I love it. I love the chaotic energy. Yes, post Can this you... challenge. Post this challenge to Twitter. Make it take off. Yes. yes. <laughs> I really want. Like, would you guys I mean, I, I and like as I say this, like, I'm not doing it, but could you put yours? <laughs> <laughs> Nope, not doing it either. No, no but watch this, watch this blow up like the renegade dance, though. <laughs> Take it to TikTok. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, is, there, is there an ex that you wish, um, you know, I remember during Hurricane Sandy, there was an ex that caught, or reached out to me, and I thought it was very um, thoughtful. Uh is there is there someone that would reach out to you that you wouldn't get like your friend who's now a friend, um, Tochi? Is you know is there someone you think you wish would kind of reach out? Or is there someone you wish you could just actually be just straight up friends with, and it saddens you that you're not? Mm. I mean the 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 ones that I'm good being friends with, I'm cool being friends with, and the ones that. I'm not friends with, I don't know, at least for me, how much emotional benefit would come from right. them reaching out. I mean, it may do something for them, right? Like if it yeah. if it's beneficial for them, just the act of reaching out, like, cool. But I don't know that I'd be down to like engage in the way that I may think they may find meaningful 
Uh, they, right. Because it just mm-hmm. because there's always the there's because always the meaningful, chance that, yeah. <laughs> meaningful for some of these people includes that dick. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm just there. There's just there are a lot of there. There's a lot of quicksand. There's a lot of quicksand. Oh, yeah, there. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So. All right, you guys, um, people of Faith in Asian, are you taking me up on my most ridiculous of challenges and fucking contacting your ex and laying out some truth, some constructive, well-meaning, beautiful truth? That's the challenge. Tweet about it and tag me in it. Yes, please. Oh, I want to hear all these stories. I yes. want to hear everything. Um, and don't forget, you can even leave us a voicemail at 860-337-2357 and tell me what happened. Um, or you could just leave a voicemail about how it's the 200th episode of Fake the Nation <laughs> coming up. Um, all right, you guys. I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to know where to find you. Uh, Sharon, where do they do that? They'll find me on Twitter at Sharonica. S-H-A-R-R-O-N-I-C-A. Um, I post about shows. I post my own musings. Um, also, I post about my show, Cheap Date Comedy, which is also Cheap Date Comedy on every social media platform. And Tochi, where do they find you? Uh, y'all can find me on Twitter at Tochi True Story. Also on Instagram at Trey64. That's T-R-E-I-Z-E-6-4. Also, you know, if you need, if you want updates on my writing, where it's appearing, um, where I may be appearing in somewhere in the distant future, uh, my website, tochionyabuchi.com, has that information. Um, and don't forget, his most recent book is called Riot Baby. So you should be immediately purchasing that from an independent bookstore. Um, <laughs> okay. I like to get in my little, uh, no, absolutely. Hell yeah. Shout yeah. out to Bookshop. Shout out to Bookshop. <laughs> um, you guys know how to find me and all of the things I'm working on putting out some more free content for you guys online. Uh, right now we put out third street blackout, my last feature film, um, it is now normally you have to pay to see it or be a part of things. And instead, we just put it out online to stream for free. Um, you can get that at thirdstreetblackout.com slash stream. That's th- 3RDST blackout.com slash stream. So thanks for people who have been watching it and sending me a lovely message. That's so great. Um, and if you feel like tipping the filmmakers, uh, proceeds from that is going to go to the Actors Fund, um, who's been, uh, they've been doing, oh my God, tremendous work. And they've, they've always done tremendous work i really love the actors fund so um help us get them some more money by enjoying a movie uh that was a sag movie um and let's see Ooh, but what i really want to do you guys is i want to thank the people who make this show happen um they're all working um from home (laughs) doing a fantastic job i want to thank our producer anita flores our talented audio engineer andy christens gabby alter wrote our theme music lily fleshler helps with research and you guys we love to hear from you send us your feedback topics we should be chatting about guest ideas you might have you can leave us a voicemail at 347-770-4981 or you can drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com if you like what you hear please do leave us a review on apple podcast because it helps more people find the show um and uh don't forget to sign up for stitcher premium where you get episodes of bonus the nation all right thank you and until next week